After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens out there. It's Joe from Lightweights, and today we have some very special guests. We have Brandon Rogers and Adam Nalen of the Brandon Rogers Channel, the Brandon Rogers mm-hmm. Universe, and the Hell of a Boss Universe. Writers, stars, actors, yeah, leaders. La, 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 la. And also, I'm the only one who dressed the part today. I'm in office clothes. God damn you, Joe. As in usual attire, Brandon refused to communicate with us that we were getting dressed up, and now we look like idiots. Yep, and I even have I even brought my office mug from home. I have the same one in my kitchen, I swear. Yeah, it's very similar. And you know what? <laughs> uh, I'm glad that one of us is planning today. Who's this asshole? Oh, oh, hi. Yeah, that's me. You can bleep that. I know we're early and we want to get monetization for this. <laughs> we're going to be diving into the office today. Michael Scott yes. themed, Dwight Schrute themed. However, when I was on Instagram today, I saw a huge massive note. Hell of a Boss is on Prime? Hell Has Been Hotel has is been, on yeah. Prime. Has Been Hotel. Different show, same creator. <laughs> what the hell? That's massive. I oh, can't yeah. say one is better than the other. Although the one that I'm in more of is better. Is this not crazy to you? You're going to be on Prime? Dude, Prime. it's it's the craziest thing. So this is this is like the first big network anything I've been a part of. So it's it's awesome that like all the news is out there. It's great. Brandon got announced today as being a part of the cast for Has Been, which is awesome. I've been having to sit on this for such a long time. My hole is sore. I thought that we were go- like at first when I got the news. Yes, I went through this like a year ago. A year ago, I went through all of this and then we just had to keep <laughs> it quiet. And they've announced every fucking cast member on this show, except for me and a few others. So finally, yes, we're the last batch that they just kind of release all at once and they go, and these people are in it too. <laughs> Wait, this is a big deal, no? Yeah, yeah, no, it's huge. And it's a big batch. I mean, yeah. it's, it's got a lot of names in there that you know, Darren Chris is in it. Um, well, we have Christina Alabato and uh, who else? Got, uh, Leslie Kritzer. Um, Broadway, they're Broadway, Broadway people. people. Joe, Joe would. Sorry, Joe. I'm would sorry. Know the straights people, wouldn't Joe. know these names. <laughs> but these <laughs> are Chris. You would though. That's, that's YouTube. Broadway. It's theater, and uh, they're great singers. They're very talented people. Yeah, they're wonderful. Yeah. So is this like a? This isn't the Hell of a Boss universe. This is Hell of a Boss universe. In fact, in, there's a pilot of this show already out on YouTube. Did vi- on Viz's channel. Mm-hmm. Viz's channel, and A24 picked that up to produce it. Amazon picked it up to distribute it. It's going through some big holes, dude. Like, yeah, this man. Is, this is as Hollywood as it gets, and I'm so proud of her because I've I, we were you know we saw it when it was just a YouTube channel, and it's just sort of we've seen every step of the way from it going, you know, from YouTube videos to an actual real TV show. At least what is a TV show today? If you're on Prime, that's as good as being on Prime Time back in the '90s. Is it the same? Everybody like you guys are writing it. You guys are. Uh, I don't write this show. That's why it's not as good. But um, <laughs> Adam's a writer on this I, show. Yeah, I'm a writer on both uh, Has Been and Hell of a. Yeah, yeah. I got it, got it, got it. Makes sense. Okay, okay. I get uh, it. But it is a great show. I saw the whole season, and it is a beautiful series. I mean... How many episodes? 
is it eight? Eight? Eight episodes, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Jumping from YouTube over to the Amazons. Yes. And it's been a, been a four-year wait for fans, and uh, and they're getting eight episodes, so I hope they're, they're worth it. That's for so cool. Well, congrats. Thank you. What is your What was your first exposure to this show, The Office? I had a friend who tried getting me into the show, and mm. I watched it, did not laugh once. I hated it. Really? What was, what was the first... Do you remember the first like episode or thing you saw of like oh I, I don't like this? I think they tried showing me season one, which which is garbage. It's it's, it's, it's a little well, hard. Come on. Well, there's uh, the Diversity Day, which I think is really one of the. I think Bj Novak wrote that, and that just yeah. was unlike anything. That actually was the episode that caught me, and and I was like, oh, there might be something. This is different. Actually, no, I think I hated. it. I can't remember. I remember did, I didn't like it when it first. Did you aired. like the British Office at all? Because I feel like season one is the closest in tone to the British office, and that's maybe why it doesn't gel with some people. Funny little fact about that. They intentionally tried to make season two a little different to appeal to the more American audience, which is why in season two it's a little brighter. They raise the lights Mm -hmm. so that it's more visually colorful, and they change Michael Scott's character to make him more... And his hair. I will say his hair improved dramatically from that like weird greased back... like. Yeah, I hated that. Yeah, I did hate of, that. A lot of stars start out really ugly, and then as they grow more successful on YouTube, they become more <laughs> handsome. Oh, yes. YouTubers especially. Yeah, especially like people who dress in character, mm. people mm-hmm. who star in Hell of a Boss. Yeah, I have the Benjamin Buttons disease, <laughs> so I'm getting better and better until I'm a ripe old little toddler. <laughs> <laughs> what was your guys' first exposure to The Office? Um, do you remember yours? Um, I'm not sure what my like first first exposure was to it. Um, I I definitely remember liking it, and that was something that we bonded over. But weirdly enough, like most of my memories with The Office kind of really start once I know Brandon, and we 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 start watching them every every week when they air. So I don't know. It's hard to tell. It's, it's hard for me to remember exactly when. I mean, like you got to watch it live. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that was really great because and this is what people who weren't around for The Office then don't get to savor. It was that there was. A week between every episode where you'd have discussions. You'd talk to your friends about, did you see what happened? What do you think is going to happen? There was like a time to really like speculate and wonder about the show and be in wonder of it. And uh, and then the next episode would drop and then you'd all get together and it would be a whole event. It's unlike anything with streaming offers now. And that's that's the one reason why I don't like it when shows drop all at once, all the episodes. Because then it's like kind of robs you of that campaign of enjoying it. Um, my memories of The Office kind of start around, yeah, when I when I knew Adam as well. We both kind of discovered the show together. I remember the first time I saw something that I absolutely loved with The Office. I was at at the Regal, and they, you know, they I think they still do it where they play like, tr- you know, promos for TV shows before the movies, the, the trailers start. So you're sitting there, and there was just one clip of Dwight, and I don't even think it's in what uh, I think it was a deleted scene that they used because I couldn't find it in the series, or maybe it's in there. I don't. But he he says. Um, it's a clip of Dwight, a, a talking head of him saying, um, I am faster than 80% of all snakes. <laughs> and, and I didn't know who Dwight was. I didn't know who this character was. Um, and I just thought, what the fuck is this show? <laughs> and then and then it played a clip right after that of Michael uh, trying to hold in. And then he goes, that's what she said. <laughs> and I go, what the hell is this show? And so, uh, and then I just started watching, I think, uh, The Dundies, the uh, season two mm. episode. The two? first ep- or is that no? You're right. I think you're right. Ep- it's like the first episode. Yeah, that was what because my my friend uh, it was Sam. That K. is a special one. 
Yeah, yeah. It was it, my friend when I was working at Best Buy. It was uh, she had the DVD of of season two, and she said, "You have to watch this show, but don't start on season one. Start on season two. And that was yeah, the Dundies episode, and I was sold after that. And then and then I, at that point, season three had just ended, so I had two seasons to binge of The Office. And then from season four onward, we were just like every week, kind of like waiting to see what happened next. And so. Yeah, it was it was very influential to what a lot of stuff Adam and I were doing. Massively you know. so. I mean, the entire first three years of our relationship were basically dedicated to to emulating the style and the the sense of humor of of the office. And I mean, we we obviously like made it our own and stuff, and it was its own kind of entity. But like, you know, th- there was something about the office office that really like it, like triggered our imaginations and really inspired us to just create. You know what I think it is, is that it, this was Adam and I had just started college. And this is the first time in our life where we're entering adulthood in a way that's truly separated from authority. You know, in high school, you're kind of surrounded by your parents and teachers and administration. And then in college, we were like suddenly driving to places, having lunch, you know, with ourselves and being adults and, and moving out. And 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 the office, I think, kind of exemplifies that sort of, you know, workplace feel. It's not a, a it's not a show about like school or family. It's a show about like, okay, we're all just different people thrown into this together. And I think Adam and I at least I was, you know, we were at a time in our life when that's kind of how it was. We were just thrown into college. Mm-hmm. The people at our college were pretty much our our family or the ones we were spending cuz we were in theater too. So we were yeah. I was about to say like I, you know, an element of uh how we went to school I think factored into it as well because so we went to a commuter a commuter college, right? Like it was a community college that uh people drove to. Nobody like lived on campus or like Brandon lived closer, but I I I had to drive 30 minutes every day to campus. And so it was a hassle to get back home. And so what would often happen is I would like wake up and I'd drive to school in the morning. I'd go to my classes, I'd go to work out in like Pleasanton. Uh, another 30 minutes away and then I come back for rehearsal at night so I, I very effectively like did live at the school and and around these people and like I only used my home to sleep and I think that being constantly neck deep in in the social element of, of school and in the creative juices of like the the social group that we were in really um, like the office kind of played into that because that's you know in your reality with the office that's how the characters are. They only live with each other at the office. You know, you never, at least, especially at first, you never really see them at home. You only see them at work. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of felt that way. Like home didn't exist for us. Like we, we just only live together here at this, at this place at this time, you know? And also being to on top of that, like being in college in theater, you know, you're around the same people a lot. And a lot of our humor, a lot of how we got through the day was not gossiping. It was more of <laughs> shit talk. I don't know what it was. But like there would be a lot of weird people in these classes. And like high school, you know everyone already. But in college, it's all new strangers. You're starting from ground zero again. So we're like kind of trying to process these people we're spending hours and hours with for rehearsals and whatnot. And a lot of them were really just kooky. Wild, theater wild. kids. It, you know, I will say this though. It was mad shit talking. But it was done with love. <laughs> and the really reason was. I say that is because... To this day, I remember all of these people we shit talked, and I have more affectionate memories of them than I do with people I worked with for years at at, like my day job. You know what I mean? The Office has characters like Angela, Crete, these weirdos that a lot of the humor of the show comes from. Aren't they absurd? Aren't the people in the corner that you only see four times a day? Isn't what? What's that guy's story? What's her story? And so I think, yeah, you love those characters the same way we loved everyone we were in theater with. But there is sort of a, a wonder and a spectacle to a bunch 
bunch of weirdos thrown into a room together. And when you only know three or four or five of those weirdos, you know, you you kind of huddle, you create a group, and you're just like, how about what? Did, you know, what, what did Donna say today? I'm sorry, I'm spilling <laughs> gin <laughs> all over here. Look, I got you right on Thank the you. right yes. on the penile area. Yep. <laughs> Think that's why the show was such a hit because originally they were tailoring it to older people. Mm-hmm. the white collar audience but then as people were logging on to watch those extended clips on nbc.com they realized younger people were watching it and yeah. that's where they started to tailor that humor to that because exactly that that's where you run into the creed bratons when you're in class and you're like why is this person here but you were forced to see them every single day yeah. and i think that's what made it so relatable to everybody yeah. and, and uh, i think like at the time, I was doing I was I was doing like YouTube videos. I didn't quite know what to do. I I, I kind of knew what, how to emulate things on TV. Um, but when I saw The Office, I said, "Well, here's a formula that is made for low budget because it's supposed to look." candid and janky and documentary style it unlocked a whole new world of filmmaking for all those young people you don't need fancy lighting you don't need fancy sound equipment you don't need like it's it's the content itself it's it's the the, characters the drive the drive the whole story they 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 took like guerrilla filmmaking and turned it into a a, like a prime time network show which is nuts you know was it cheap to make probably right Uh, it must have been i parts I, i heard that the jim and pam um proposal scene was the set scene was two hundred and fifty thousand dollars at the courthouse Whoa, with all the the, dancing, no, the, proposal, the rain the in, the, in the rain at the gas station at the gas station because they had to that's wild because that looks super that that's just the side of the road somewhere they, they built that on a racetrack in the middle of a racetrack so they could have cars just passing by you know they had one lane oh, wow. going one way, one, you know and they just shot it from across the racetrack and then that was all i think fake rain it was all, everything about yeah, i guess that the rain was, hookups are probably pretty pricey especially if you have to do it at, yeah. a, at a new place, like a new think, location. Think about all the times they, you know, I, I watch The Office and I think about all the things I couldn't afford, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> all, all the times it snowed in that parking lot, like that's real, like that, that's not just dust on the ground, like that's clearly very real snow. They had to get an ice machine and like shred all that shit. Like some, that was a whole department of people that had to do that yeah. and they needed lunch and they needed healthcare and they it's needed true. all the shit. I'm just like, I, God damn. I'll say it like this then. I, I think, This episode is sponsored by Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning platform available on desktop or as an app, and that it truly immersifies you in the language that you want to learn. Maybe you have an upcoming international trip or you want to connect with a family or a friend. I know a lot of people who want to learn a new language just to pick up a new hobby. I can personally attest to this as I used Rosetta Stone when I went to Italy for my honeymoon. It helped me brush up on the Italian that I learned back in school and I was able to get through the land and speak the native language. It made it so much more fun, plus my wife loved it. They're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish. There's no English translation, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language. Plus, there's lifetime membership and access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off a steal. Don't put off that language learning. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Lightweight's podcast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language learning courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. It's the Joe Guarantee. 
In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking we could pull one of the best autographs in the game, but guess what? With zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. What I love is the display of the available cards, the hit rates, and the grading. Arena is a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, and with Arena Club Slab Packs, they're revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your pulls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. You can have them officially graded by Arena Club. The Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent, with a full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform you have to check out. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash lightweights. Wow, that's a crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's $40 right there. Anyways, go to arenaclub.com slash lightweights for 10% off your first purchase. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's a show you could make for cheap, uh, whether or not they did. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, well, you know I, what's funny is I when I started doing Magic Funhouse, I realized that LA people in LA like you like shows with union budgets and and you know there's so much they do that they don't have to like. Where I was like, you can make this at a fraction of the cost. When I did Magic Funhouse, they there was a scene where a character was in. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Uh, a bedroom and he just wakes up from bed and has to hit the alarm clock and go to work. That was the whole scene. The the producers tried to get me to cut that scene because they were like, that's a whole other location. We have to find an apartment. We have to, or no, no, no. They said we have to build a set for that location. I'm like, you don't have to build a set. Go to, go to, a, like, you can go to my place and just film it in my room. Like, well, we have to have the medic there. We have to have catering and we have to have all this stuff and all these like departments i know you don't um and so that was really frustrating because were you able to do the scene yeah but they had to build 
three walls of a bedroom in uh, our soundstage for that moment. And I just thought, what an exorbitant waste of money. Like, how... how much of that money could have gone? And they made me cut extras out of other scenes because we couldn't afford it. I'm like, we could have just not had to build a set and just use that money for extras or other things that would. So, and I, I, I hear similar frustrations with like, what were you saying? Sorry, no, you just reminded me. There was a project that we were working on that we're no longer working on. Oh, yeah. uh, but there was a scene that, that we were trying to populate with it, with a crowd. And I remember being told like, yeah, no, you can't do that. It's going to be one line of people or sorry, two lines of people that will film through strategically to make it look like a crowd. I was like, no, it's got to be a crowd. And then they, they were just, it was just like, no, 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 no. And then they were like, by the way, we found the budget to give you people later in, in a scene that we didn't need them. And we were like, dude, what the hell? Like- yeah, it, it happened on that project. It ha- That happened on Magic. It happens a lot where it's like you have non-creatives controlling the money. And then the creative people going like, well, no, the money needs to go here, here, and here. And they go, no, 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 no. It's going to go here, here, and here. Same amount of money, but I'm going to put filter it the way you don't want it. So that's, <laughs> We're going to put it in the most inconvenient places. Exactly. Yeah. And th- this has been uh, a tale as old as time. I hear about this with everyone who's like, they're independent. And then, oh, they get a movie deal. They get a show. They get something. And it's like, you think that's the dream. And it kind of, it is. But at the same time, this is the other edge to that sword where you have all these other producers in the kitchen with you and they're just watering it down or they're, or they're telling, whereas, you know, with hell of a boss or something independent, like what we still, you know, we're still independent. We, we have um, total freedom to do whatever we want. If we have that scene in the bedroom, I don't need to run it by anyone other than the person's room that we're filming it in, you know? And so um, do you prefer shooting your own productions versus pairing up with those bigger? Yeah. I like their money. And that's that's really the only and, and their marketing power. You know, it's it, it's something you know to be on like Netflix or Amazon. Like you have that that name as a badge. You put that on your tr- trailer's thumbnail, right? But beyond that, and the funding, there's there's not a lot of pros with you know on YouTube. There's only the algorithm and the you know the audience themselves are in control of who's watching my stuff. It could be you know, so so I I like not having a filter of of producers or that red tape of um you know, Hollywood holding me back from viewers or what I want them to see. Um, but yeah. Anyway. What I what I do think is cool about a show like The Office, though, is that like it can clearly like save its budget in mm. in, in its normal set pieces. And, and you can ride around some of these bigger moments um, in, a, in a season to like really, really pick and choose where you spend your money, where it's like not every show has that luxury. You know what I mean? So it's another it's just another like element of The Office that just makes it like that much more brilliant, I think, is is its ability to through through writing through breaking a season really figuring out the the hot spots for for budget and stuff i will say one thing that i wish that we had the money for which must be nice is having that fake uh office set most of our locations (laughs) are real buildings and um i i would love having an environment where you can control like the day of you know the time of day outside i think that's that must have been so fun as a creative on that show writing you know everything in a fully controlled set don't you have a studio that you we do but even in a like even in our studio you're still holding for like those are it's not like a a sound stage like that we have a it's more of a we shoot in like warehouses that have sets inside of them and so if a plane goes by you're still hearing that plane right there was there was that one weekend just recently where it felt like every single person that owned a plane was flying it that day and the thing is with planes it's really tough because you can take out the background noise only to an extent before you're destroying the dialogue itself and with planes they're very distinct hums so let's say you have a plane faintly in the background of your dialogue but another plane flew by when I was talking, 
it's like you hear this and then oh, like you hear the room tone change between and it just sounds so unprofessional to me so yeah I, I like The Office I, I always you know that's my dream is to one day film like on an actual sound stage where I don't have to hold for anything outside of what's in, in our set with a show like The Office is that what kind of inspired the show you're working on now yeah so the show that we're working on now it's it's a it's called Class Acts and it's a spin-off of a show that we did in 2009. Oh, it's a spin-off. It's a spin well it's it's a sequel Same characters, it's a continuation. Same it's a continuation, but I didn't I I didn't want to say, you know, I'm working on a season 3 of something. I wanted to like be a, its own thing. Um, and it's also not a theater class anymore either. It's it, the show was called Theater Class and it was about it was like The Office and it was uh, about a you can watch it it's on two seasons on YouTube and it's about just sort of life in a theater, like what we were just talking about. Yeah. Just we found a way to take our, you know, write what we know and make it into something that had that documentary um, feel to it. And um, yeah, so what we're doing now is just a, a continuation because a lot of people are still watching it to this day. People who, you know, were like kids back then when we were making it. Um, so yeah, and so we, that's mainly why we're here today. Is I've been watching uh, a lot of shows like Parks and Rec, Arrested Development, The Office, Modern Family, just sort of trying to get like my head back in the game of this this mockumentary. The early 2000s, like, yeah, this was like a really hot way of filming about 20 years ago or 15 years ago. I still love it. Like, it's it's yeah. it's one of those structures that just really works for me. I think it, it it's such a great vehicle for comedy. Um, I think, you know, it, it's been used a lot, so I think there's some fatigue on it for some, for some people, but like, for me, I just it's just as fresh as it was in, in it's, 2009. Yeah, well, it's been used a lot, but I think that a lot of people who use it now kind of forget why it was so... Because now that we're going back to that style of filmmaking, I'm relearning why I loved it so much. You like, don't have to worry about the lighting. If a mic pops into yes. the shot, big deal. It's like kind of part of it. Well, and also from a writing standpoint, having the confessionals, you know, the cut where they're talking to the camera. Exposition's never been easier. Ex yeah, it's oh, the right. easiest way to, like, like oh, if you don't know where a scene should go, I'll just cut to a cutaway and someone can just wrap it up with it. And it's a punchline every time. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's, it's so good. So, again, The Office walked so, so many shows could run. So many shows ran after The Office, and now, other than like American Auto, which I don't, I don't think there's any other like mockumentary show in primetime. Modern Family is not airing not anywhere. No, they're done. Yeah. So I never watched it. But. It does feel like this generation is kind of you know the, the teenagers today are kind of being deprived of like this really fun you know because I don't know what's on now, but everything is very pretty looking now and i i do think it's a fun medium to step back into and and get messy and sloppy with the camera work show a little grain if a scene's too dark when you guys first started watching who did you levitate to the most as a character i i think robert california will always be my favorite <laughs> really <laughs> that was not when you first started watching though when i first started watching it was uh stanley i think stanley yes, I, I was, I, that's, I that's the answer i was because oh, like pretzel day yeah <laughs> and still to this day my favorite one of my favorite moments is stanley like coming up on ryan like my daughter you out your damn mind because i'll help you find it i'll help like, you find it yeah <laughs> he, he's so everything he says is so good and i love stanley all the way up i actually love that character character more and more as he as like 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 up until you know like when he slides down the stairs i think that was in the last season that's one of my favorite stanley episodes is when they have to tranquilize him and take him to the meeting <laughs> <laughs> and it takes three of them to put him down and then uh i just I, that episode was so it's such a good stanley episode and i'm really glad he got that screen time in that last season but 
I love Stanley for the same reasons I love Robert California. These are characters that, you know, you have a lot of these bombastic characters, but then you have characters that are, say, more with the, the muted elements of their deliveries. You I know? think Kevin's growth over the entire series will go unmatched to any other show. Yeah. From being that quiet, like, kind of awkward to really shining and just letting his weird self come out. Yeah, he's, I think a lot of that was, was um, Brian who did that, because I, I feel like, it seemed I don't know what's scripted and what's not, but a lot of Kevin's stuff seems very organic. Like he, like had fun playing with that character. They say that a lot of it wasn't that much improv. Like there was some improv, like when Michael kissed Ryan in the company meeting, Wait, or, when or was it kiss, Oscar? When did he kiss? Oh Ryan? yeah, no, no, sorry. Oscar when he, oh, yeah. when Michael kissed Oscar, that was improv. Yeah. But there was a lot of other stuff. Wait, the that, kiss itself was improv, or just what they did around it? The kiss itself was that improv. That moment is. Perfect. Really? Because so much of the show is based around, like, or that episode is based around the fact that he made him. Wow, that's that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. I and speaking of, I gotta say, um, I love like the straight man characters. You know, in in comedies, for some reason, I just I always I've always dug them, and I feel like Jim was supposed to be that, but he kind of grows into his own kind of wackiness, and I feel like Oscar's really the unsung hero of The Office for being the actual. He's the level-headed, the straight man. Ironically enough, right? Like you know, it's funny. Every character has had a moment of crazy. Uh, I was thinking about that. Even the most sane characters, like 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 David Wallace, had a time where he was kind of nutty with his his house, at his house, right? But then, uh, yeah. But Oscar is is notably the one character who really hasn't had like a crazy yeah like the closest thing is his affair with the or not his affair what was but it with, even the, then, with the senator yeah, yeah yeah but even then he handled that well his yeah. affair with the senator yeah <laughs> I think, I think like, he made up for that because then he like let Angela move in with him and he like made amends with all of that spoilers by the way yeah <laughs> <laughs> but 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 even that's yeah that's not like a crazy moment it's just just kind of like a like he's finally doing something kind of like against somebody else in the office if you will like against yeah them. but not even really because like she was gonna get fucked in that situation either way like I hope they didn't write him that way because he's gay like I I know a lot of writers give queer characters like they're the smartest ones in the room and they can never do no I hope that wasn't Oscar I love how he is but I just I hope that if he if if uh, I don't know. In fairness, though, in like when they introduced him, the kind of um, played straight gay like gay characters in 2009 were still very tokenized. And so I think his he was kind of revolutionary in his pendulum swing. Yeah. He was one of the first character gay characters I remember being just like normal, you know, and and actually normalizing being gay. Uh, it's just like no, it's just an element. Yeah. He's other than that, he's the most normal dude around. You know what I mean? Other than that, you know what I mean? But 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 like you know, for for the time, right? It was it was seen as so like out there, and he's just like no, I'm just a dude. If you haven't watched The Office in a little bit, and you were to go back and start from a season, which one do you start from? Oh, one. I I really like one. Really, yeah. I'm always at three or four. Yeah, I just watched um, the healthcare picking the healthcare plan one last night. Where Dwight's like, "Yes, list all of your diseases to me, <laughs> so I can make sure they're covered." Like that's a brilliant moment. It's so funny. You know what? Dwight Dwight was the same in season one though. Like he was a yes. character that they did not change between seasons one and two. But so that makes sense. Like his moments were really good in the first yeah. season. I. I like all the, uh, other than one and nine, I like all the odd number seasons. No, that's not true. I like two. Two is brilliant. Two, two is brilliant. Two is the season that I always go back to and I go, oh no, this is the best season. But then I think overall my favorite is season five. Um, yeah, five and six are really strong seasons. S- season five, I think, 
in my opinion, it's the season that kind of has it all because there's like so many good one hour episodes in it. But then there's also like we get to know a lot of the characters more. Michael Scott has his own paper company in that season. You have the Super Bowl episode, which had like a much higher budget. And you could tell they spent more time on that because they had more eyes watching it. Um, yeah, a season that in season seven, I really liked because it was like Michael's winning uh, like his his like victory lap. It was like, OK, every episode in that season was like him making up for something that he fucked up in the previous six which i thought was fun um but uh i I think the best thing that season five did honestly um is it gave pam a lot more agency and and like she actually starts developing like ambitions outside of just being like oh i can't i want to draw pictures and oh i have a troubled love life for four seasons like oh well you know and now she's with jim and everything's working out they're like oh what do we do how about we give her like actual things to do and and it's great it's it's a wonderful change for pam like making her a little bit more ambitious and making her actually want to move forward and and do things in life and 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 stuff more than just her art and i just i really i really loved what that injected into it especially when they get back and this is this is more season six but like when they get back from the michael scott paper company and she's a salesman in in the office and it starts creating friction and the, the dynamic completely changes in the office and then you get the introduction of aaron because of it and she's Mm-hmm. freaking wonderful so she was such a great ad yeah Fit right maybe in. the strongest ad of any of like the new newer characters season yeah season five is what made me respect pam a lot yeah. i will say that's like when she started when it was when she leaves the company with michael that i was like all right pam yeah um but uh yeah yeah ellie kemper is that her name i don't know if yeah. i'm saying that right. but uh She's genius. Yeah. She, ever since the that that YouTube the the blowjob girl video, when I saw oh that, my I was, god, this that girl was is so... a comedic genius, and that was just just an uncut one shot of her. Just I'm assuming improvising or whatever. But what was that, that video again? Uh, the blow, blowjob, blowjob girl. girl, where she's like, I'm gonna take your. your oh, she doesn't know what it is. Shit. I'm gonna make yeah. it so dry for you. <laughs> like, yeah, and I just like, it's gonna what? be like sandpaper in my mouth. <laughs> and I remember when I when I saw her on the office, I was like, they got blowjob girl. I was <laughs> yeah, so happy. Yeah. Um, was that a Derek comedy video? I was. I think it was Derek comedy. Yeah, because the guy was, getting blown was one of the white guys from Derek comedy. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I I just and then you. I mean, a lot of people went on to really funny stuff from that group. I mean, it was a I, yeah. I mean, uh, 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 Donald Glover is Donald Glover like the the center if of we that can group. Go back in time. We should join Derek comedy yeah. <laughs> and all get on the Office. What was the first video you guys did together? Our first video is. I think it's theater class. Our first like scripted video that we did together was probably theater class. I don't know. David After Drugs was around that time. Theater class was the first. Th- yeah, our love of The Office is what joined us, I think. I think that was the first scripted video we did. Yeah. And then since then, you guys have done everything together? A lot, almost everything. Not, not everything, uh, but Adam lived in Oregon for a while. About we, we four years. We yeah. didn't really work with, with each other much then. But uh, Blame was, the hero. Blame the hero. Blame we the hero. Together. We wrote uh, blah blah the clown. Yeah, Bryce. The, normal yeah. British series. Normal British. Yeah, hell of a boss. Uh, and then stuff and Sam a little bit too. Stuff and Sam. You, a you, bit. Most of stuff and Sam was was you on your own. But I I I came in for like a couple episodes. I did. I like remember the first he episode. said Adam was coming in for a couple. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, I, I yeah I, I arguably arguably would not be here if it wasn't for Adam. Did you know we were both baptized by the same priest at the same church? Oh yeah, this is fun. In a town that's nowhere near where either of us lived. 
How? I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah. the weirdest thing in the world. Father Crumlish, uh, yeah. That's insane. <laughs> no, you guys insane. figured that out. I, just, I feel so bad. The worst, his name was Father Crumblish. Crum- Crumblish. And I don't know who started this nickname for him. And it's not even a nickname. But now every time I say his name, I can't think. I can't not think of Father Crumblast. It's Father Crumblast. I'm surprised he hasn't used that for a video yet. <laughs> not to, neither of us got Crumblasted by him, though. <laughs> for the record. For the record. For the record. He uh, was a, a sweet old man. Like, really, just was, a very I, nice guy. I remember him being, like, the softest, like, uh, he was emotionally so sweet. The softest. <laughs> <laughs> he had a really soft touch when he caressed Well, me. in all fairness, no. when he dipped me in that water, I was probably softer than him. <laughs> but, because uh, I was a baby. But he... he uh, no, he was a sweet guy, though. He was um, very sweet, yeah. And he, he died shortly after he dunked us both. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That because I had him for a while as a kid, like like as my family priest. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I I grew up Catholic and stuff, and and uh, and then yeah, his replacement was Father Mario, and he looked like Mario from like Mario oh, Brothers. Yeah. yeah, he did. He had and like a Mario kids, mustache and everything. All of the kids of the church were saying that too. It's like it's Mario. We probably went to church together several times. Yeah, that's the crazy thing. Like as small children, we were probably in the same room together several times. That's so cool how you guys figured that out and you're still friends today. We just yeah. figured it out in the last like couple of years. That's yeah, wild. yeah, uh, and that's that's very strange. So that's probably why we've worked on so many projects together. There's some weird like spiritual <laughs> harness <laughs> between us. Yeah, it's like a soul bond. Uh, yeah, <laughs> something magical and divine came down in that church it was like i'm not gonna answer any of your fucking miracles but these two they're gonna know each other forever (laughs) these two are gonna work on a show about hell (laughs) have you guys ever met anyone from the office in real life okay actually he drove by yeah so funny enough on the freeway i um (laughs) on the freeway so on the freeway not here though that's the thing is um is is we were we were elsewhere in northern california and i was just on driving around and i and i saw him and i was like Oscar from the office, and he's like, uh, and like <laughs> went along his way, and I was like, ah! <laughs> 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 well, and here's the other thing: where we come from, like that kind of celeb sighting is something you talk about for, for years. Ev- like nothing everyone. happens; everyone it, knows about it. So, so it's one of the, when something like that happens, everybody knows about it, and you talk about it nonstop. And it's like every party, you got to tell that anecdote. Also, I, I, so years later, when I was working at the law firm. I saw Oscar, he was at a, a fundraiser that we were doing, um, and he came to speak at the fundraiser, and I went up to him and I said, you saw my friend Adam on the freeway <laughs> a long time ago. And with his eyes, he, he was saying, I don't care. Uh, but but then I said, and then we made a show, and then even more, I don't care. And he was like, we, we made a show called Theater Class, and I'm telling him about it, and I'm just like, well... He does. You're already committed to the story, so finish telling him about it. But he doesn't care. <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't had anyone cameo in any of it. I'm surprised too. I don't really know we anyone actually, from we the had, office. We had talked about it. You, um, you had some kind of connection to Meredith from the office, right? Wasn't that oh, it? Oh, and, uh, and she was, she had watched the show and she liked it. No, and, not Meredith. Uh, Angela. No, it was it was uh, from Reno 911. Oh, sorry, it you're was, right. Um, I made a mistake. It was uh, the blonde. Uh, I can't. The why am I thinking of her name? From um, Reno 911. Uh, but uh, yeah, anyway, she she brilliant actor. I, I'm I don't so, know where I got Meredith from. Um, Wendy Wendy uh, McClendon. Yeah, I, anyway, she she was interested in being in theater class for a second, a hot second. That's the closest I've been to anyone, even remotely. Uh, you know, but and Jack at the time, which yeah. which was just funny because like we we work with Jack now very Jack frequently, Plotnick. Jack Plotnick. Um, 
but at the time he was the biggest celebrity any of us knew that yeah. we were like close to him. We're like, oh my god, he was in Buffy like for a couple episodes. Oh my god, no. <laughs> it I was will say, so exciting. I will say I was so enamored with The Office when I moved to L.A. because it was they were on their last season when I moved here, mm. and I would stand outside of the set while they were filming, and the actors would drive right past me, and I would wave to them. As if they gave a shit, but with their eyes, all of them, I don't care about you. <laughs> Get out of my way so I can go to work. Um, but I remember I saw um, I saw James Spader, and I freaked out, and I saw... Were you hunting them? You would think I was. I sound like a deranged person. I mean, yeah, you're sitting outside there where they're going. <laughs> yeah, and like, it was literally, it was literally the office, uh, the exterior of the building wasn't where they, it was, it was all, uh, right next to it. That's where the actors would pull in. And what were you doing there? Well, they can't tell you to not stand on a sidewalk. Oh, you were trying to find them. I was just standing there waving at them. As they, just, I just wanted just to be see. The stalker. I was Some mild stalking. And in all fairness, I didn't even have a camera with me. I just wanted to see them go to work. And then you could see the whole lot from the sidewalk. So you could see like people just like having their coffee break and just people have. And I'm like, we're watching The Office being made right now. You could see this them so like cool. walking in and out of the set or in and out of their trailers just but right even, there. Even before that, I remember you, you had turned that trip of like going to the set of the office into like a pilgrimage in college it was one of those things like every time Mm -hmm. you know so you got somebody new in the in our friend group that was into the office or something like we have to make a trip to la because i know where the building is and you can go and you can just look at it wait who else did you see um who are like pulling it i saw a lot of people we didn't see the main one so i didn't see pam jim or dwight um i did see uh nelly bertram who's Catherine tate I saw her. Uh, she was the only one that didn't drive, and then I found out later she doesn't drive. Um, and then uh, who else did we see? Uh, we saw Oscar, Kevin, Phyllis drove by us. We saw Stanley. By the way, I saw Stanley and Creed at a convention. They were signing tables down for me, and I'm just now realizing how crazy that is. I was like standing outside just to see them go to work, and here I am, like alongside with, them, like a yeah. peer, a colleague. <laughs> but it, 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 it just meant so much to me to just see, to, to just get a glimmer. I felt like Charlie looking into the chocolate factory gates. You know, I was just like watching them do my dream, go into this lot and do my dream job. Did you I'm, try hitting Meredith with your car? Uh, <laughs> I didn't try, I did. <laughs> Succeeded. Um, but it, what's, what is your y'all's favorite episode of this? Ooh, that's tough. So before I answer this, I gotta say, I uh, Michael Scott is, mm. in my opinion, one of the best comedic characters ever invented because he is such an impossible character. He does such despicable things, and not only d- is he tolerable, the, d- not only do they like endear him enough mm-hmm. to you to be tolerable, but they make you like care for him and like him and and genuinely want good things for him because like at his core. He doesn't mean anyone any harm ever, you know, and mm-hmm. and there's some like kind of fundamental goodness in him that makes you forgive all of the various atrocious fucking things that he does. Um, but having said that, I think I think my favorite episode might be after he leaves, like it might be one of the after he leaves. Yeah, it probably one of the Robert California episodes because they are just 
You know, mm, they're there, so good. There, season eight gets a lot of shit, but there were some really good episodes in that season. There really were. I I had a great time when that was airing on TV. We were quoting that season like crazy. They're dinosaurs, Dwight. They're dinosaurs. <laughs> oh yeah, James Spader's lines. I hold on to every fucking <laughs> little thing he says. It's so weird. I hated when he was on there. Really? really? Yeah. Oh no, I adored it. I think I was so attached to Michael that I was just like. Yeah. Not even that it's not the same. It's like, this guy doesn't fill the shoes at all. Interesting. <laughs> I thought he, right, he's a very different energy, but I like that there was someone who saw the characters for who they were. Almost like he was like a fourth wall character. Yeah. He could see this cast of characters the way, and th- almost through the lens we do, which was kind of, I don't know, he, and, he, and he calls them out on everything to their face. And yeah. I just love that he's that sort of, you know, sort of uh, steamroller energy that just kind of, um, oh, yeah, and he, he uses that metaphor, too, actually. I, I saw there was a deleted scene with him that I saw recently. Have you noticed on Peacock, that on, not on the super fan episodes, on the regular episodes, there are full-on scenes and arcs that were never in the original cut. No. And I know that I'm not crazy because I looked it up on Reddit, but... Yeah, there's like a whole. There's a, and trust me, I watched. I memorized all of James Spader's lines from that season. There was a whole scene where he's where where he's asking Andy. This was not in, in the original cut, but he says Andy says I will. Uh, he, he says uh, I will. St-. He's trying to convince Robert California that he'll stay in this office even you know if if no matter what Aaron does because he he just left for her once and Robert California goes, what if she was kidnapped by Albanians? <laughs> or a human trafficked by or something like that and he was a, and Andy goes he goes what and he goes Albanians if, he, if she was taken and then Andy goes you mean like in, in Taken and he goes what yes if she's taken what would you do and they're like going down this whole like uh, scenario of Aaron was like taken you know hostage and then Andy goes I will stay in this office and then Robert goes well I'll remember you said that <laughs> just just little lines like that. I don't. I just. I, I. I liked his presence a lot, and I get like to people who were very married to the whole what made the show work originally, which was the Michael Scotts. You know, and having this boss that everyone reacts a certain way to. I get it. James Spader did not. His character did not bring that. But um, I just every scene he was in, I was just loving seeing this guy um, evolve. But what? What is? What is what? What's your favorite episode of the show? I don't know if I have a favorite episode, but I do think that in season three michael's dating jan jan's fired there's just so much happening in that moment Mm. that when michael's dating his former boss who doesn't have any money and she's living in his condo there's just so many like things happening to michael and he's like trying to be positive even though it's like not positive oh yeah i think those are just the moments that stick out to me the most i i think I don't know if this is my favorite episode, but I can't think of, I think, my favorite moment. And that is uh, the kids show thing that Michael reveals that he was on a kids show once. Oh. And Michael, it's kid Michael just going like, I, if I can, I wish, I, uh, or no, what, what does he say? It's like, I want to be a father because if I have a father, I can have a thousand kids and that'll mean I'll have a thousand friends and none of them can ever leave me. And everybody just like looks at Michael with just utter pity and stuff. And it's just... <laughs> So it's like such a perfect moment because it's also that moment that like once again it it endears him to you in such a way that like it doesn't all the shitty things he does um, are forgiven because he is ultimately still that sad child and I just I adore that it's 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 a perfect character moment you know yeah it's hard to hate someone who's just such a, a sad clown all the time you know it's like it's 
I feel, and I, I love that he doesn't, um, there's a sense of pride that he has that he's still, like you were saying, like, this is fine. This is fine. Everything's fine. That's a $200 plasma screen TV that you just broke, babe. <laughs> How are you going to fix it with your $0 of your salary? Oh, it slides right into the wall. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That episode, didn't that episode win an Emmy or something? Did it? I think that dinner party might be that's universally great. among fans. I think that's like the most well-respected episode. I was yeah. kicking that episode around in my head when, when I was thinking about favorites. Yeah, that, that, that was definitely in the running the for me. Please come. They know Dwight. <laughs> I also love the one where he buys the condo. And, mm. and, and Oh, that one makes me sad, and, though. And, yeah, maybe, maybe I just like the sad episode. He's just getting lost. Because into this no commitment. fucking fucking Dwight tells him too. He's like, "This is a this is a thirty year like whatever." It's like you're buying your coffin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, Michael's like, all the excitement is taken out of the purchase, and he's just like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> like, yep, yep. And the and the walls are paper thin. It's six years or however long he has to. Or no, yeah, it's he he's he's a. Uh, well, he gets out of there. Did they ever acknowledge when he moves out, or did they? I don't think they really talked about that. I don't think so. Damn, there's, we have to wait for that su- uh, season of the super fan edits to come out. Yeah. Season seven. <laughs> I'm curious to see what like uh, what deleted scenes are from season seven because they were doing a lot of Michael wrap up that season. This might be a hot take, but when I tried watching the super fan episodes, I couldn't get into it. I have a hard time getting into it. Too. I haven't watched them at all. So they're on Peacock, and they're maybe the, from the 22-minute episode. Now it's like 35 minutes or 29 uh-huh. minutes. So there's a lot of extra that does throw off the flow of the mm-hmm. episode. They were good cuts. The, well, what, you know, what when, you have to remember is that what we, the show we ended up loving so much was there, there's this flow that we ended up falling in love with. And when you add extra scenes, people don't realize it, but subconsciously your attention span span, yeah like oh can we just get to the part that i know is coming up right and 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 you're right and maybe as a new viewer it might be amazing but for someone who's seen it so many times it's like wait i will say this i I, granted a lot of those cuts are made for like tv time but ultimately like yeah i have i I like the, the the quickness of the show um and one thing that uh, I remember Vivian from Hell of a Boss, she, she said this uh, when someone found lyrics to a song that weren't public, like lyrics that were cut. And they were like, oh, well, these lyrics, you can tell the character, blah, 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 blah. And she said, she's like, those were cut for a reason. And it always stuck with me. Every time people are like, why, you know, like, oh, it's a super fan. Well, a lot of those scenes were cut for a reason. And I do feel like pacing is something that I try and take into account for everything I make. And... I, I definitely it's something that we had to learn. So writing on Hell of a Boss, um, especially season two, there was kind of an indulgence, the uh, self-indulgence that we had where we kind of like for some of these episodes, we just let them get a little long in the tooth because we really liked uh, everything that was there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, honestly, on subsequent viewings, it's like, you know, we could have cut. We could have made this tighter. You know, like it wasn't actually as important or as meaningful as we had kind of led ourselves to believe. Um, and now it just feels feels a little like it's overstaying, like certain moments or certain scenes feel like they overstay. And it's like, I think, you know, having a nice, tight script that just is efficient in its in its movement, and how it conveys information is an undervalued <laughs> um, aspect of of writing and people that are good at it. Um, that That's 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 hard to do, man, because I think a lot of writers and maybe just the ones I know uh, like to just get wordy and get go on and on and on, you know. Yeah, and I think I think what the office like the office to me it it doesn't feel like it gets wordy in the sense that it, every episode 
season one maybe not so much but every episode feels like it's very aware of its pacing it feels like okay the audience just cried now here's the, the you know here's humor okay now here's drama now here's humor and, and it does it at a rate in which you don't feel it's necessarily going too slow or too fast and i remember that was one thing i noticed with even with my own work it was like okay what the office is this why does my work feel xyz why does my and i Adam and I are very analytical with everything we watch. I mean, we could watch a movie and talk about it for hours. And we're very good at, at recognizing, like, when a movie makes you feel a certain way, what ingredients, what components trigger you to feel that way. And a lot of it is pacing, and especially with comedy, especially with internet comedy. People, their attention span is much slimmer than, like, television or film. So it's like, you really, if, if they feel like it's going too fast, they could lose attention. Or if it's going too slow, they could lose attention. And so... In many ways, I, I, I think uh, The Office uh, for us was like kind of a Bible in terms of pacing. But I think for a lot of other shows, too, if you notice, like Friends has like half as many punchlines because there's a laugh track they have to wait for. Um, and The Office was just really good at filling those gaps with something. I, I, I had a film teacher who once told me if it's if, the, if nothing interesting is being seen, then something interesting needs to be heard you know one or the other right and and uh or don't do both or don't do none you know it's like it's like something interesting to be the you know at all times being seen or heard and on the office you almost always even just by the characters themselves you can watch that show on mute for the first time and be like who the fuck are these weirdos so i i again it taught me to be very uh uh aware of like you know, even just like a character's appearance on, and how long they're on screen for, how long you hold on to a cut for, you know, before it becomes boring. Um, but um, yeah, and I think everyone subconsciously notices these little details too. There's um, there's a, a, a gaming uh, like idiom, I guess I, I'd heard that there's, you know, there's all these open world games, right? And there's something intuitively that a lot of players feel that like most people don't put word to and that is um how long your attention span holds uh when doing a singular task so oh, yeah. specifically uh you know in traveling in open world games there's how this long kind do of you rule. go without running into someone exactly they yeah. say it's like you can only really expect the player to move and travel from point a to point b for about 40 seconds before they get bored and so like games like gta will either fill the gaps or like fill the distance with things to do like, or things to avoid to make it more engaging or like you know, other games will will just place things that are no more than 40 seconds apart from one another so that you never get bored just running in the middle of nowhere. And sometimes if a game doesn't do that, it like it's those are the ones that get criticized for like this feels empty or yeah. this feels unengaging or this is boring. And I think shows are kind of the same way. It's like you can only leave people in, in a conversation for so long before it's like, OK, where's like give me a cut to, to another scene or something. I think movies play by different rules. But in TV, I think there's especially in comedy. I think there's a uh, you can't just have Jim and Pam talk for like minutes and minutes on end. You know, you need to right. cut away to other people doing other things. You need to, um, you know, uh, give give that additional stimulation of, of and the feeling of forward momentum. Because mm -hmm. the, the other thing is, you know, they don't always perfectly do that. And those episodes sometimes feel like they drag on a little bit, you know, and it actually has nothing to do with the episode. It has everything to do with just we stayed in one place and one conversation in one moment too long. And it just feels like it's dragging the whole episode down. Also with TV and especially with with Internet stuff, even more so than TV, you're, you're, you know, there's 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 film, you know, television, you know, and then and then like looking at stuff on your phone and each one of those comes with more and more distractions. So like in a movie, you're just in a black box looking at a at a screen versus if, you know, when we upload content, most of the time people could be watching it 
you know, on the bus or in a, a public environment or just even at home, but there's a million other distractions. So it's like, it is kind of like a shouting contest where like when you make something, it's almost like that, that, that first, especially the first 15 or 30 seconds, it's just, you know, look over here, look over here and don't give them a chance to really kind of disengage or look away. When I worked in sales, I used to sell knives. I used to sell Cutco, cut cutlery, <laughs> cut, uh, is that a pyramid Cutco cutlery. Cutco. It, yeah. You um, actually did that? Well, I don't know if it's, I can't, I don't want to say if officially, but I did do it. Yeah. And it, I don't know if it is a pyramid scheme or not, but it certainly did feel. I don't like know what shape it is. I don't They're know. What, I, don't know what, I don't know what shape <laughs> the scheme is. I'm just trying to sell knives. But it is a, <laughs> scheme it, it is it is it is in the terms of like i think the salesman don't they it's it's not a beneficial structure to the yeah. salesman but the, the the product is quality i actually really like the knives from cutco and i might have just this might be fucking i'm making this up or i feel like i've heard this but one of the writers on the office sold cutco knives as well and there are certain things in the office similarities to when i worked at this cut code like the, the salesman thing like the whole and, and going back to your like uh, the human brain being impatient we would have to seven seconds is what they taught us they said when you go on a sales call and you you want them to talk to you wait seven seconds I, they said i guarantee you no one will let by second six or seven they will not let that silence go on if you look at someone and you nod for seven seconds. You just wait for them, and they will usually say something that tries to make the scene more comfortable, to make you happy. They'll say something more in your favor just to break that silence. A book on chili. I don't know if I need this. We're only four seconds in. Like, it's it's, it's already awkward. Yeah, I can't. Handle. And, and, and what sucks is that it's it's very obvious to me. It's not very subtle. And Wait, they want you to do that? Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and I will say because because it, it, it's it's weird because it, it makes you as as the recipient of that pause. It kind of makes you. Go, it's like, did they not? Are they not understanding what I'm saying? Did they not get like? Oh, okay, that makes what, me mad. I, that it, well, it, but it, it, yeah, but it can push you into making concessions, right? And it can push you into like. Okay, I, I need you didn't get like I let me continue. Let me explain further. Let me give you more ins to like convince me. Basically, is this making sense to you? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. I don't it's think so I'm funny. the guy. I wasn't even trained this way, but I know exactly what you're talking about. And it's like in in like big business negotiations, they use this tactic too. Uh, like when, when the pause happens and you're the one holding the pause, they don't know that. They just they're getting uncomfortable and they're gonna say something that you will more likely be. Uh, accepting of and so it's just to get rid of the awkward silence they, they they're not going to double down and make the awkward silence more awkward by saying something you don't want to hear and so I, after i found out about this after i just worked for cutco i or vector marketing that's what we're supposed to call it oh sh but uh after i worked for them i had no respect for salespeople because i just realized oh you're just you're just like crooks and and you're but you're 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 actors but at least actors there's a contract and we know how much money we're getting and everything's on the table up front you're actors that are trying to get money during your performance uh, from me personally and it's very and it's all through like little tactics of eye eye contact and smiling and nodding and knock don't ring the doorbell and little things like that and and it's 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 just a formula it's a formula but it's also like you're going into people's homes because we had to go door to door. You're going into it's people's a numbers houses. Game too. You're, pl you're just, playing the odds I, as well because you just submit yeah. yourself to as many people as possible. And these We're, tactics will work on someone. Our first <laughs> day on the job, they made us write down every single person we know Were on you a any piece good of at paper. It? I, I did you sell anything? I sold to my family that had to buy. That's it what they want you to family. do. And then, yeah, they make you sell to your family. They'll say write down everyone you know, starting with the people you know the most. 
And then we said, okay. So we wrote down and made a whole list. It was like a sad amount of paper that I had to go through. But, uh, and then, yeah, I, I, and then they said, all right, now make sure you have every one of those people's phone numbers. And so then we had to call, if we didn't have their phone number, we had to call someone who did have their phone number. Okay, now that you have all their phone numbers, now there's your list of your first uh, potential sales. And did you make, how many, how much money did you make on each one? It depends. I mean, I think overall, I worked there for like two months and I think I only made maybe not even $1,200. I, I, I don't. Because there's no, there's no actual pay, right? It's all commission. Right. It's all commission. Oh yeah, there was no actual pay. There was all. Co- it was all commission. That's how they hook you in, by the way. They they send you flyers to every high schooler, and they're just like, "Do you want a job where you make your own hours and you don't have to have any commitment?" And da 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 da. What they're really saying is, "Hey, do you not want to a- actually get paid unless you you know manage to sell it was, something?" It was really culty. Like yeah. they would have like these hotel seminars, and they would like be glorifying like she sold. Five thousand. He sold twenty thousand. Yeah, and I was just, and they would get so excited about it. And I'm like, these are fucking knives, dude. Like, no, if, if the fact that you're all excited about knives should scare me. Did you go to them? I went to all of these. You things. went to the seminars but because there was like, it was a weird cross between like church pressure and like <laughs> and and culty pressure. It was yeah. because you know the church pressure where it's like you don't have to go to the to the Christmas luncheon. Oh, but I should. But you that's know, where the pause comes in, yeah. Joe. <laughs> that's where the fucking go pause to church. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I mean, all the people with the the signet ring or the tie clip. I mean, yeah. they're going to be at the meeting. So, are you a tie clip person, or are you a you know, like, or, or, or are you not committed to this? But yeah, I, I so like on the office when they talk about like oh like all the sales tactics, a lot of those are real, and I know that they're not just making those up to because we would have to go on these calls and they wouldn't pair us. By the way, I thought that was so lucky in the office that they got to go in pairs. Mm-hmm. We had to go by ourselves and to their house, so we had to knock on their door, walk inside, sit in their kitchen. You'd see their kids coming in. You go, hi, I'm conning your mother. Hi, I'm conning <laughs> your wife. Hi, I'm conning. You just have to in their own home and then. And then either you conned them and then you feel good about it or... Why do you, you say con though? Because aren't they getting knives? I was about a- to say, you know, I, what I will say is the scam is on the employees, not the the, the, the customers. customers. Yeah. The customers are receiving a quality product and that's what's weirdly insidious kind about of, it. Kind is of because like... What? Because because, <laughs> well, they, they're, they're, because getting, they're making okay. you go to your fucking that's grandma's true. house. You, they're making you go to your that's fucking true. mom and their dad. Their bread and butter is guilting the customer so the into custom, buying so, it. And, but and it's not like they're like selling them useless shit. Is right. what I'm right. saying. Is right. they're, they're fucking expensive. They are. They're the most. It's How like a thousand dollars for a set of knives. And you only made eleven hundred bucks in two months. Yeah, of sales. Joe. Oh, commission was like I was not a good salesman. I really wasn't. That's weird because you sell me dildos every time you do an Adam and Eve sponsorship. Discount code Brandon for 50% off one order and free shipping on the entire order in the U.S. and Canada. They're going to dock your apply. next sponsorship for that stutter you did at the beginning. <laughs> I know, I know. I fucked, it up. Be I fucked it up. Um, uh, so, real, real quick, though, to bring a full circle, yeah. I will say that uh, the elements of the sales stuff in the office, though, I always adored. Like, yeah. I loved watching these characters be competent because like so much of the show is about them being ridiculous or not very good or at least focused on their jobs so watching like jim and dwight go into an office and just kill it together or watching michael come in and save a sale despite all of his goofiness i always love those moments where you're like oh that's right he was made a manager for a reason like it's not like he's completely incompetent when michael gets his job back was yeah 
eye opening of like how good he actually yeah. is like no we need jobs we don't need settlement money we need jobs yeah you know that's one thing i really love about the office there's a lot to learn about like clown character work in the office because you have these characters that are like buffoons but they're actually none of them are just a straight buffoon even kevin is like really good at stuff and i love that because i think it's easy for people to write a character that's two-dimensionally dumb or you know kooky or weird and and these are all people that have the capability of having you know existential crises or having their heart broken or you know um yeah i love the resolution for him too in um for kevin specifically uh owning the bar and like he even has kind of a moment where he's like yeah you know I wasn't a good accountant. I am good at this. Like this was like this almost like you did me a favor kind of a thing of like I I I wasn't in the right place for me and now I am. You know, and and I was able to do that because of a tough conversation that you're sorry for, but like here I am. And it's like it's nice because yeah, we show for seasons years and years of how incompetent as an accountant he is. He makes all kinds of numbers errors and stuff. And I love that they're not like backing away from that like no you're good at this job it's like no he just he he was a person that hadn't found where he mm-hmm. he belonged yet and once he did he was happier and and like that's kind of a really cool resolution for uh, for the one truly incompetent character of the bunch, you know? Can I say that finale? I watched the finale again recently. That's a really good way to end it's the show. It's a phenomenal finale. I really... I didn't do that on purpose. Uh, <laughs> the alliteration. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just... I love how they wrapped it up. I, I And I thought the screen time was used really well. Um, I love that, like, the doc became part of the show and... and uh, and just that whole ending bit with like Creed's montage or him like playing the guitar, I just thought, wow, what a! It was it, it was kind of like it was dark in the sense that it felt like all these characters knew they were about to stop existing, you know, and they were all about to go down together, and and they're all happy, and it was just this moment of like, oh, this is like, I don't want any like spinoffs, I don't want any sequels. This is where it just needs to end. I love it, and. I know a lot of people are lobbying for like, oh yeah, the office needs to come back in some form or another. But I just love it as an encapsulated story. As it, you know, it, I, uh, season nine was probably my least favorite season, but I loved the way they tied everything up. Yeah, there are really there, there are some really good high points in season. Nine. I think all seasons have like like it's it, you're grading on a curve a little bit. Yeah. you know, it's like how genius is it? Is it like you know mind blowingly galaxy brain genius, or is it just like pedestrian genius? You know. And and like I said, like season one, I still love. There's so many amazing comedic moments in season one. Stanley um, with the basketball, and he's doing this. <laughs> you have to cut to the wide for this one, and he's dribbling the basketball, and he's holding. I don't know You're what this is. Diddling me is what it looks like on camera. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, his little. You're black, Stanley. <laughs> oh, yeah, Barack is president. Yeah, that that whole. I I love any time Stanley was a plot point in an episode. That did I stutter was a blessing. Yeah, did uh-huh. I just love his heart rate monitor. <laughs> oh my god, get, get it? Because gay. When you talk- <laughs> my one of my favorite was like I took an extra shot of insulin for this. If I don't have some cake soon, I'm gonna die. <laughs> Why don't you have an apple? Why don't you mind your business? <laughs> I do love Stanley. Oh my gosh! Yeah, He's I. The best. I um, yeah, I, I should watch the super fan episodes, but I do. I I feel like, I wonder how much time they could have, or how much money they could have saved if they knew ahead of time. Oh, we won't need to shoot these scenes. Right. Like, I because there's so much. Even to this day, I will find loads and loads of clips from episodes I thought I had seen everything from, and I'm like, how much were they filming? The extended like five minute cut of a thirty second scene. Right. It's so crazy. I thought it'd be fun to wrap up 
today's episode with a couple trivia questions. Okay. All right. So, Brandon, Adam. Oh, shit. Put your hands on the buzzers. <laughs> Did the computers really work? Yes. In the- You're I- supposed to buzz in, oh. asshole. <laughs> That's my buzzer. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <they did. laughs> That is fact. One point to Brandon. Wait, I don't, did they have Wi-Fi on? There? The computers did have Wi-Fi, and it was to help feel as if the people, as if the actors were really in an office. Oh. I wonder if anyone was had something on their screen they shouldn't have. They had to look busy, and obviously they're filming they're the screens. They're doing stuff. So you can't just have a dead monitor, right? You can have a dead body yeah. on the monitor. You Someone's can? at Rotten.com. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some of them were. Who was always playing solitaire? There was one of them. They that were was all like, was it Creed or, or or Meredith though specifically who like I think every Stanley. single time you because yeah, he does like Sudoku or yeah crosswords. <laughs> Um, but no, there's one of them, like, literally every single time you see their screen, there's solitaire on it. That's so funny. I hate that game. <laughs> Who was a casting agent for the show and ended up being cast as an actor? Oh. Is it BJ Novak? No, I know I know this one, actually. It's uh, Phyllis. That is correct. Oh, really? Oh, Phyllis was a that's casting. Cool. Phyllis that's was a casting cool. agent for the show, and she ended up being cast when she was doing the... Uh, rolls back and forth with people and they're like oh you'd be perfect for Phyllis and it's oh, that's crazy because she's such a good actor even outside of the office that I'm like how are you not like it it's, blows my mind that we almost didn't get Phyllis right as uh, you know what I mean mm-hmm. that she because she's just one of my favorite characters you know what uh, what I love about Phyllis's performance more than anything and it's because like I've noticed other actors not doing it very well is her weak voice like when she kind of like gets into mm-hmm. the, this like there's there's like an art to being able to do that clearly and like punctuate things properly and to like control your voice when it's that kind of weak and fragile and 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 like do it well and she has so much range in that in that kind of like whimper voice yeah. and and so many other actors like can't do it like they try and it just it comes out hollow or it comes out also she cries on command too which i there was an episode that where she just started crying and i was like holy shit they'd like if i had an actor do that on one of my sets i would be flo- you know what I mean? Every yeah. episode. <laughs> yeah, boom, cry. <laughs> uh, well, actually, I have. I've had uh, cornbread can cry on command. I think it's just so impressive when it when someone could just start crying like that because it's like, holy shit, that is a muscle. The final question of the office trivia: Who was the first member cast? Ooh, I don't know, but I would I would oh, love to take a I guess. Know. Do you actually know though? Before I do, I don't know. Uh, I, what uh, is it Jim or Dwight? Uh, my guess would be. Hmm. 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 California. I'm trying to think. Like, if, if <laughs> season you're, six, Rob. Is is the answer intuitive? Let me just. Let, we're gonna. If you think about it, you can figure it out. Okay. What makes the most sense? I mean, Michael. Michael would make, would the, make most the most sense. sense. If it, I was trying to think. If you're trying to cast uh, an American version of the British Office, it feels like it should be one of the main four. Um, of of Jim, Pam, Dwight, or Michael. Um, maybe it's not intuitive. Maybe it's not. Okay. All right. Who would it have been? I I I, I would say I I want to say it's Michael because I don't I don't see why it wouldn't be. If I was remaking any show, I, I would cast only him. because he's behind the scene. Well, actually, no, I guess so because if it's Phyllis, because she was. You know what I mean? She was part of the casting process, yeah. and they they realized how good she was before they made any decisions about anybody like, else. The producer like Phyllis, all you wrote down was me. <laughs> <laughs> well, funny. Uh, so so weirdly enough, Ted, I don't know if you watched Ted Lasso, but there's the whole story about that is like one of the main guys uh, is one of the writers on the show, and he 
he put himself in for an audition after just like after writing the scripts and he was like I think I could be this this character and he like sent in the tapes and like they didn't even cast after that they were just like I why bother this is perfect yeah and and so I'm like that's interesting because like so it makes me think maybe it's one of the people that had an in like BJ Novak who 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 wrote on it or, or Phyllis Kaling. who was in the, or Mindy Kaling so so maybe one of those three or Paul Lieber uh, he was also a he was a showrunner at one point I think anyways I think one of one I'm of just them. I'm just curious I want, yeah. okay my guess is gonna be Ryan you know what my guess would be Ryan too yeah you guys are both correct yeah BJ Novak was the first member cast on The Office nice wow holy shit that's why he's in all the posters yeah (laughs) he was he was featured really prominently in the 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 early seasons yeah well in the marketing Um, it would always be like the the, like the main four and then then BJ Novak and he's he's really prominent in the season one like poster and stuff right in the front yeah almost felt like they were trying to frame him up to be like like you know, workplace comedy. My first day on the job. Let's see how I do here. Let's follow his arc next to Michael's throughout the course of. I've if Ryan was less of an asshole, he would be a very interesting POV character. But like, yeah, I I don't know. It's it's funny. I didn't like that he shut everyone down. I didn't like when he throws the lid away. That Pam made the gold medal. He throws the yogurt lid away and in front of her. And I'm just like, man. Everyone in the office, like, get with it. Work here or don't. Everyone here is a character. They're having their own vibe. And you come in being all failure first. I'm a failure and I come first. <laughs> and I don't know, man. I just... And I, what's I, funny is that I respect all of the episodes he's written. I think the episodes that he has written are some of the best He wrote Diversity show. Day. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He's so talented. Why couldn't he write himself a character I, I like? I have a theory about this. <laughs> oh, I love Brian's character. I, he might be my least favorite character. Actually, no, it's... Famously, I talked about this. A lot I think Kelly's my least favorite character. Mm, she's not far up there, for, but Ryan might be my least favorite character. He has Kelly, so much dynamic. He becomes the boss. Yeah, there's so much that happens to him. Him be sorry, Woof.com era. Uh, uh, Ryan is fucking so fun. Like he's so great. You uh-huh. remember the the uh, the like the lip sync cold open. Where like they're doing the like no 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 yeah and then like he just ruins it just said, what that come and then and then he, if you hear him he's like you need to do this to make a living in this country like like <laughs> so but the thing is his writing is brilliant no I, it's I, great I, I think, my theory about it is that he more than Jim was supposed to be the true straight man yeah. that like that you know especially if this if the tone stayed like the british office where these people are actually the worst then the character who's going fuck these people is the most relatable person right like he is clearly the everyman character the audience looking at this going like god who would want to be here but yeah. then we ended up loving the main cast so much that his his kind of like contrarian attitude yeah. towards it makes him the villain rather than the hero yeah you know because it's like well fuck you i love these people like i i would want to spend the day with all of the maybe not michael but you know who's you know who's an unsung hero and i consider him an opposite ryan similar vibes you, you kind of don't like the guy if this character was real in, in real life but like opposite in the way that he embraces i think that uh gabe was such a good oh my god we didn't even character. talk about him this entire time right. he could have had a whole spinoff on his and i, I don't know if it's zach Wood, and kathy who, bates who made it. Well, it, it, is amazing played too. off of him really the two of them together uh, this like confident southern woman and then you have like Gabe and I thought that he was someone that just like Aaron I thought like oh he's, he fits right into this weird this is what I'm talking about man the post Michael stuff is really good still and like that's that's why I'm like I think some of my, one of my my favorite episode has probably got to be 
one of the Gabe ones too. Like one of the, like he is so funny. Kathy Bates is like my favorite actress I, ever too. I have so. seen so many horror films. <laughs> <laughs> I am so smooth for you. You know what might be one of my favorite episodes actually is the Search Committee parts one and two. I think that that one feature had such a good cast. It starts with Creed being manager. He's like derailing the whole office, and then you have like all these brilliant cameos. Everyone's cameo was so well spent. <laughs> And uh, and then you have Ray Romano and James Spader, my favorite, in the lobby going head to toe with each other. Um, J- there's the Idris Jim- Elba one, Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. Ed, no, Idris Elba was out of the. He was gone by then. I'm just saying, like that oh, the whole yeah, group yeah. of like the the the, oh, the new manager there. rotation thing they did for a second. Yeah, yeah, that's Will the- Ferrell. Will Ferrell. Will Ferrell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a great choice to like transition out of Michael. Like, who who do you have to be like the immediately next boss of the office to, to viewers at home? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you can't go wrong with fucking Will Ferrell. That's like the highest guns they could get. Um, this is why it's hard to pick a favorite episode out of like, how many episodes are there? Like, Two hundred and fifty or some nonsense like that. Oh, are there? Holy shit! I don't know, but there's like twenty five episodes a season. There's nine seasons, so that's almost two hundred episodes. I feel like stress relief. If I had to pick one, I think stress relief is it because it felt like a mo- the Office, the movie. It didn't have any plots connected to outside episodes. It didn't have. It was its own self-contained thing, and it was designed for new audiences. You had all the people. Right, it was. The, it was right after the Super Bowl, so you have all these fresh eyes on it. It had to capture attention at the very first start, which it does. The CPR dummy bit is like classic dummy. too. Also, that's the episode where Michael roasts everyone, right? Yeah, boom, yeah, at the boom, end, boom, roasted, boom roasted, boom roasted. Boom roasted yeah. So like, it's just such a. It's a good Michael vessel. It's a great Jim and Pam vessel. It's a great Dwight vessel. Um, you have moments from Stanley, moments from Angela. You have mo- like all of the characters have like a little moment to shine. My only regret is that Aaron was not part of the show yet, and uh, that that episode did not have her in it. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was uh, that, and I think the finale maybe. I judge all the episodes based off of like like it's a goodie bag, and like how much was in this goodie bag? How many? And like the finale had a lot of little because they didn't that spare was also, any time. That was like peak Andy time too. Mm-hmm. Like prior to Aaron being there, Andy. Uh, like season six, seven, Andy, or mm-hmm. five or six, Andy, I, I is like is peak him because he he goes from insufferable right to like really great Anger management to, to kind of insufferable again by the end. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, we fucked up your whole wrap up. Like you had this whole yeah. conclusion. We're like, oh, we're doing <laughs> trivia, and we're like, no, let's talk more. <laughs> No, this is great. Guys, if you like this episode, make sure to subscribe. Leave a comment down below if you want us to do another yeah, Come on, series. I dressed up for this. Brandon dressed up. Give a thumbs up for yeah. his his suit. What shows do we want to do? If anyone wants to do a Breaking Bad, I can do I was oh, going to say God, Breaking, do a Breaking Bad. Bad. I can yeah. go on forever about Breaking Bad. I could, yeah. I haven't done... I, I need to watch Better Call Saul, though. I haven't oh finished Oh, my that. God. You could argue that it is equal to the... like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, I don't know if there's one that's definably more quality than the other they're both I gotta watch like, it and then we'll do we'll do both we'll do both yeah, series. I love it I love it guys give this video a like subscribe check out Brandon check out Adam their me link down below congrats on the hell of, hell of a universe thank, thank you. you so crazy oh. congrats so on crazy. the podcast thank you yeah yes. and apparently this is one of the last times uh, we'll have you said this shitty setup yeah because of Brandon and Adam they're I'm getting three new sofas yeah because I and also <laughs> are we paying for it or yeah, like? yeah. You, I'm invoicing you as soon as you leave but the three of us are going to chip in and get me a new studio setup. Love okay, it. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> Keep dreaming. Cool. Flyweights, out. Cool. Thank you, guys. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. 
Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.